This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Monday.com, an amazing tool that allows you to work the way that work works for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz. My guest today is Patrick Semi. He's the CEO and co-founder of Span Health, a platform and coaching program for data-driven health, hopefully taking care of your health. Patrick, uh, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. So I like to always ask entrepreneurs, this is, I know in looking at your background, this is not the first thing you've done in your life. So yeah. what's been your entrepreneurial journey to to this point, to, to, to co-finding Span Health? It's been a long journey of, I, th I think, building an understanding of what it means to build a product, something that, that people want to use. And then later on in, in my life, I think understanding that you can also build a business around that product that people use. But I think there was definitely these this two parts of the journey. I was one of these lucky kids that grew up with a dad who was passionate about um, telecoms and, and technology. And so I got my first computer in uh, 1992 when I was four years old. And I really grew up with, as you can imagine, around that time with encyclopedias and on, on computers and then the ability to search information, to learn by yourself, to play video games. And then with the internet, I think in 2000s, I probably pushed my first website online almost 23 years ago now and just started building stuff online since then. So that was the first part of the journey. Then it was, I was 18. I naturally went to engineering school, studied computer science. And I think there it was also natural that I wanted to focus on problems that were important for the world. I think not just using technology for the sake of technology, I think, but really trying to solve uh, interesting problems. And I ended up working for a lot of um, startups as, as an engineer and realizing that people were building the same products I had been building in high school for my friends. So they actually had an, uh, an entire sales organization or marketing organization trying to sell the product and monetize it. And that was a, a big discovery for me. So I started looking into it. And I, I think that was my around 20 years old. I think that was the, the first realization that a lot of things I've been doing could have been monetized. And I got really interested in that space. Later on, I finished my engineering studies at Stanford in California. I did the, the last year of my master's there. And it was really interesting to be exposed, obviously, with so many smart people in the university and professors and so on, but also this entrepreneurial culture as part of the, the campus, the people around you, and the startups working directly with Stanford and, and indirectly as well through the people they hired. And yeah, seeing so many ideas around me and people just taking a chance and starting something on the side and then quitting that job and starting that company full time. It got me really interested in what that would mean later in my career. And I, I never thought I would actually do it. But I ended up working for a big startup in a big company, which is Skype within the Microsoft division. I worked there for three years and yeah, I think that was the the big part of my life where you know I had been playing tennis for twenty years almost. At this point, I was competing in high school, university. But then, when you start your first job, your lifestyle will dramatically change. So I was still playing three hours a week, about two three times. But during the day, I was mostly sitting at a desk, and I think that was the main difference and the main thing that changed in in my lifestyle at that point. And so for three years, I didn't really care about 
the impact that had on my lifestyle uh, and, and my health. But I had, obviously, my lifestyle, I think, had changed. Even though I was still exercising, I was still eating the right foods. I wasn't eating any processed food and, and cooking all my meals and uh, eating whole foods. I think, obviously, there's a lot of things I was doing wrong. And so that, that's what led me to my, that, that personal journey that, that led to spam after so it's funny, when you were saying you got your first computer at four, obviously at the time you did, that was unique. But today, every four-year-old has a computer. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So uh, the second half of that, because obviously it's very data, it's very tech-driven, but it's obviously around uh, this topic of health. You just mentioned some of your your personal interest in it, but was there a, was there a particular health moment or aha or kind of time with that, that in your life or somebody in your family's life that made you say, I'm going to, I'm going to attack, I'm going to tackle this idea of health or was it just a personal interest? I think it was a personal interest that mm-hmm. I probably kept in at the back of my mind for a few years. And then the right, the right understanding and the right research that came to my attention i think almost uh, woke up that part of my brain and then i was okay this is probably very different from the understanding i had in the past and i can see this small group of people already doing things in a slightly different way and i believe that's going to be the future and i think i i jumped on the opportunity at this point to to start doing that but so the long-term thinking part, I, I took advanced biology in high school. I actually studied engineering on campus with another school who that was specialized in biotech engineering. My friends were in that school too, and I had kept in, interest with them. And then my mom was diagnosed with cancer, breast cancer, when I was in my last year at Stanford. So I think mm-hmm. I started looking a little bit more into research, but during that time, maybe not as much as... I did in the following five years. So she's fine. She's in remission. But I think what was really interesting to me is that her sister also had it just a few years before. And it could have been a coincidence. But I think also by doing some research, I discovered that there was actually a gene that made both prostate cancer and breast cancer more prevalent when you had this specific mutation. And so I started doing some research and I had this full-time job and it didn't really, it wasn't something that really I was doing actively. But one day I read an article from an oncologist specifically that was looking at our current understanding of cancer. What are the next 10 years, 20 years of research? What what is that going to look like for cancer? Are we going in the right way? Are we funding the right research? Are we funding more teams working on different areas and different ways of seeing cancer? And I think it came to my attention that not for cancer specifically, but for preventative health and lifestyle, we weren't taking the right approach. And, and the world of you know healthcare and how the healthcare systems are designed and who's paying for what and the incentives behind that maybe weren't designed to promote good long-term health. And around the same time, so that's what I mentioned just before, but I had been at Microsoft for three years. I randomly took up one of these blood tests that they, they offer on a quarterly basis. I did my blood sugar levels and I did my triglyceride levels. And I saw that they were both high. They were not above the normal range. I wasn't pre-diabetic or my triglycerides weren't higher than normal range. But in the normal range, they were definitely at the top. 
And so I looked at a previous blood test from four years before that, I think, and I could see a clear trend. Those markers were increasing, yet I was probably following all the public health recommendations by the book. I was eating whole foods, a balanced diet, a lot of leafy greens, starchy vegetables too, little meat, good balance of fish, everything that, that you think in general, generally speaking, would be good for everyone. And then I was exercising right. three times a week playing tennis. And so it was extremely surprising to me that I was moving exactly the same direction as other people in my family that had full-blown type 2 diabetes, pre-diabetes, heart disease. So I think that's what really kicked off my own personal journey. And it was it's something that was, I think, created out of this previous journey of exploring various different topics in, in healthcare and specifically medical research, clinical research on cancer and other conditions. Naturally, I think it pivoted to being more focused on uh, long-term health, overall fitness and good long-term health, I think, as well as longevity potentially or the aspect of your health span that you can control with your lifestyle. That was the thing that fascinated me. Yeah, and I think the generations of people that have grown up going to the doctor every six months, the doctor tells them something wrong with them, gives them medicine, they come back another six months, there's something else wrong, and they give them more medicine. I think that sort of pattern of typical Western medical practice, I think a lot of people are really starting to question that now. And you are seeing a lot of, obviously, the internet gave people access to the same research that that the researchers and medical practitioners had. So it has some asking questions and maybe trying to take some of this into their own hands. Is that that idea of uh, controlling your own you know, destiny in a way with your health versus just seeking medical help? Is that a big part of what, I'm going to ask this in two parts. Is that a big part of what you're trying to tap in? And then we probably, we probably owe the listeners at least an explanation of how span health works. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a big part of uh, what we're trying to do and, and what we believe this other side of medicine could be, even though I think a lot of people today just call it fitness or just call it being interested in longevity right. or functional medicine. Yeah, that's the other part. And then to be 100% honest, my, my wife is a, a surgeon. She deals with you know a completely different set of pathologies and things that have to be dealt with. But I also see the other side of the problem where some of the patients will come to her and they're not eligible for surgery because they're overweight or they have, maybe they're not overweight, but they have type 2 diabetes. And so they're not eligible for that surgery. And then that that's it. That That's, that's what's left because the medication are never going to reverse that uh, type of condition that's linked to your lifestyle. So that's it for them. That's the end of the care path until they find on, on their own uh, a way to to, to, to reverse that, whether it's going to the gym, finding a health coach, finding a nutritionist, finding someone they can work with. But most of the, of the healthcare systems we have are not really supporting people to, to get to that, that level. And so that's probably the long-term vision is that we'll be able to help with preventing those kind of issues and preventing people from being in that situation in the first place. So we work really almost before all of that with people who are already healthy, trying to optimize Maybe they have some of these early conditions or early signs, but it's definitely not the priority. I think they definitely want to increase their quality of life now and maintaining for as long as possible. And now let's hear a word from our sponsor. There are a lot of tools out there to help companies get work done. We recently switched over to a tool called Monday, and we 
love it. At first I thought it was just a project management tool, but we use it in many ways to run our entire business. Marketing, sales, task management, even recruiting, and certainly project management. But what I love, the real difference with this one is that it has all these automations built in. So, so much of what we need to get done can be automated in a way that we don't have to keep paying attention. If something gets checked off a list, it gets marked, moved over to done, somebody gets notified. The automations are awesome. Check it out yourself at ducttape.me forward slash Monday. So how does somebody work with um, Span Health or with a health coach at Span Health? Yeah, it's going to be exactly the way it worked for me. So I'm really the patient zero for for what we created with Span. I went on this journey and I think for two months, I was able to find some of the things that were wrong with diet, sleep and exercise. But very quickly, uh, I I realized that my blood sugar levels were decreasing, but not as much as I thought they could. And I didn't feel confident that I found an understanding of what was wrong. And if I maintained my new understanding, my new balance of diet, sleep, and exercise, I would maintain my health for as long as possible. So I reached out to two of my friends who are a longevity specialist, a medical doctor, and a registered nutritionist who grew up with a form of cancer called Hodgkin's lymphoma and got to this understanding of how you improve your health and reach optimal health before you go for treatment and to recover faster and all the things that help you live with the disease and the treatment better. And they were both with me on a WhatsApp group. And I had one of these Oura rings that measures your sleep. I had a 2-3andMe DNA test. I had a, a microbiome test. And I literally dumped all the data I had on them. And I was trying to essentially get there understanding of this data, almost diagnose where the areas of improvement could be, and then work with them on experiments one by one that we could use to improve my health. And so the way it worked is that Adam, as the medical doctor, really created a whole report on looking at this data and generating some insights based on my DNA, based on other things, to decide what I could do on diet, sleep, and exercise. And then with Rachel on a day-to-day basis, we would basically run those experiments. And so we'd decide, okay, let's spend two weeks on reducing lactose products, for example, to see because you're in that group of 70% of the population who has this gene for uh, predisposition to, to uh, lactose intolerance, then let's see if that's something uh, that could work for you. And let's find where the needle is in terms of the, your, your own tolerance yourself. And then I think for the we, we did that for six months. And what we discovered is that for me, eating after 6 p.m. is actually the, the number one thing that um, messes up my blood sugar levels. I was wearing one of these continuous glucose monitors, even though I wasn't pre-diabetic. Mm-hmm. And we were looking at the patterns of every single food that I was eating and the reaction of my body to them. So we could find out what were the things that, that could improve my, my patterns in the long run. And eating after 6 p.m. made my blood sugar go up and down the whole night. And essentially, I wasn't really going to bed with baseline numbers. I had eaten dinner around, you know, 8. My blood sugar was, would be slightly lower, but not back to baseline. I would go to bed and would be up and down, trying to store that glucose almost, that blood sugar, that, that blood sugar across the night. And I think what, what happened is that Rachel and Adam saw that, and they thought maybe 
Patrick's ability to store that glucose is a little bit slower for the reason that we might not understand, but we can see that in the data. So let's do the experiment of fixing bedtime at you know, 11 p.m. Last eating time will be six, quite extreme, and then maintain that for at least two, three weeks and see how that goes. And actually it fixed it. My blood sugar was really smooth after that. It took maybe five days to get back to almost normal. And then after two weeks, my blood sugar was, were coming down at night. In deep sleep, they would be very low. And then as the sun comes up, the numbers would go up as well. And the same... So yeah, this, I was going to say, it's really interesting because what I love about that is, again, traditional medicine basically treats every single person the same way. They give you the pamphlet that gives the exact same instructions to every single person yeah. uh, that gets it. And, and I think that by having this data you really continuous data instead of snapshot data. That's the other issue with, with the every six month test is it's, that's how you were today. Yeah. But by following the kind of the everyday continuous data, you really can create a plan that's unique to everyone. And I think that's kind of one of the learnings from this, isn't it? That, that there is no one size fits all way to treat people. Exactly. And the second part was actually the exercise. So we, we tell everyone mm -hmm. right now that exercise is, is good for you. And it, it probably is in a, the long term that everyone should do some level of vigorous exercise every day. But for me, exercising in the second part of the day after 2, 3 p.m. messes up my heart rate variability. So it's a good measure of recovery and how well, how much intensity and strain you put on your body, but how much you're recovering when you're going back to baseline numbers. And it would take me, when I was exercising after, so more in the evening, for example, would take me more than 30 hours to go back to baseline. But if I exercise in the morning, for example, and especially if I exercise in the morning fasted without eating breakfast before, I would get to baseline levels within eight hours, within the same day almost. And that's another thing that we discovered. And, and so actually maintaining those things in my lifestyle dramatically improved my energy levels, my mental clarity. I was able to play tennis for an hour before and I would feel exhausted at the end. And obviously I could feel like my legs were sore for more than a day after. I would be wasted. And at this point, I could play for an hour, I could play for another 30 minutes, and the next day, you know, I had sore legs in the morning, but by 12, I'd be ready to play again. Going on this personalized approach and journey for me was really key. And so what Span does today is really delivering the same coaching experience. We have a mobile application where you can chat with a health coach continuously, you execute on that plan that the medical doctor will set up based on your data, and the rest of the app is really a, a great dashboard that allows you to connect your Ura ring, your Whoop strap, your levels CGM, your Dexcom CGM, all the data points that you know most of these biowearables uh, provide. And then we also calculate some uh, custom metrics that we find are interesting to follow progress on very specific experiments. And um, I'm happy to announce actually that last Sunday we put um, some of our data on Twitter. So if you, you find me on Twitter, you can see a chart of the progress on the sleep score of every single user that we have. And uh, you can see clearly after people start the first experiment, at 20 days, they've already got the benefits from the first experiments. And that means a 15% increase in their sleep score across Whoop and Ura users. So a lot of my listeners, of course, are entrepreneurs. And I think that uh, obviously they're also human beings. And so this applies to pretty much everybody. But I, I find my own personal experience and certainly a lot of other entrepreneurs work a lot are sometimes under more stress than other occupations. And and you mentioned this idea of sitting at a desk all day, which is probably you know killing us as much as any of the toxic chemicals that we breathe in every day. So what what would you advise or are you seeing 
particularly people that maybe have, they don't get up and walk around for a job. It's almost like they really, it's almost like they need this type of program as a form of medicine to try to balance that out. Exactly. And that's really what we're trying to create. We have a little bit more than 100 members. We have a better idea of what those experiments could mean. We work on experiments on diet and sleep and exercise. We work on one of uh, these at a time. And we try to really measure whether that's something that's working for the individual. And then obviously trying to always improve. And when we move on to the next one, trying to make sure that's something that uh, they're interested in too. And so I think that tangible way of proving that some of the things you're doing, you, you might opt for a standing desk, for example, and work most of the day standing. Right. But we want to prove that those things that we're trying to experiment with you are actually working through the, this real-time data. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of thing we work, we work on. Most of our users are everyday athletes, whether that means that they're an entrepreneur and they have to perform in that way or whether they're actually playing a sport and may, want to make sure that they, they can enjoy the game and they can also think about enjoying the game in 30 years down the line and maybe playing with their children and grandchildren rather than maybe looking for optimal physical performance now, even though some of them might want to do that. So uh, as a result, 50% of our users are entrepreneurs, business owners. And awesome. Patrick, tell uh, people where they can find out more about uh, Span Health and perhaps sign up for a trial. Yeah, you can head to our website. It's uh, www.span.health, S-P-A-N.health. You can also find me on Twitter at uh, Patrick Sammy in one word. And you can follow Span Health, Span underscore health on Twitter as well. We, we publish a lot of the research there. And if you're interested, I'd really encourage you to have a look at our blog. Every time we work with a member, we try to do some research for them. And then when we discover something interesting at the intersection of cutting edge research on lifestyle and their data, we publish case studies and some of the research we, we find out. So the blog, as a result, is a, a great piece, a great source of information that everyone loves. Yeah, there's a lot of free stuff there. Awesome. Thanks for stopping by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. And again, I think I mentioned you off the air when we were talking about this. This is, this is a topic I've taken very seriously. I'm actually 61 now. And this, I want to keep doing this for a long time. So <laughs> I appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you for having me. All right. So that wraps up another episode. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. And you know, we love those reviews and comments. And just generally tell me what you think. Also, did you know that you could offer the duct tape marketing system, our system to your clients and build a complete marketing, consulting, coaching business, or maybe level up an agency with some additional services? That's right. Check out the duct tape marketing consultant network. You can find it at ducttapemarketing.com and just scroll down a little and find that offer our system to your clients tab.